Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm We're your back, baby. Interim host, Jason, here with my twin brother, Michael Petrap. That's him, and we are killing it today with a people's podcast. You know, there's three weeks left in the season, so what better time to get the questions that the people want answered? Exactly. We got the heat wave going right now. If you have not checked that out yet, we are covering every single team in the NFL once a day for all of August. Podcasts and YouTube videos, so whatever you prefer. Get the YouTube video up on your TV. Watch it before going to bed. It's what our brother Johnny does. He's loving it. Currently in the AFC South Division, the Jaguars were released today. Yeah, all of them between 10 and 20 minutes, so you could run through them if you have one long drive coming up. Super long drive. Maybe not all of them. <laughs> but check that out. Today we're going to answer what the people want us to answer because the drafts are coming up, baby, and we're here to help. Word before up. we get started, shout out to Tim. Tim's not here today. He's the usual host for uh, <clears throat> any new listeners. He's on his honeymoon. Yeah. I mean, can't blame him there. He's in Rome right now. Super jealous. Heading to Greece. We celebrated his wedding day on Sunday. So three days ago. It was a ridiculously fun time. Amazing time. So now shout we got out to Tim. We miss you, Tim. We still love you. And now we're carrying the torch without you. Before we start, we're going to get a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Red Cup News. Red Cup is a site for all things college with an emphasis on college sports. They have articles coming at you nearly every single day. Some of the recent episodes include ACC predictions, Pac-12 power rankings, potential Big 12 stat leaders, and more. You can follow them at Red Cup News. Very popular page. Um, they put up great videos, uh, articles, stuff of that sort. They also have pages for schools, for example, at Red Cup Blue Devils, specifically for Duke. So check that out. And we are now their exclusive fantasy football provider. So you can go to their website and find our work there. We would also like to talk about Thrive Fantasy, a new DFS app for prop bets. They've streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research, they claim. But we're here to help you do that. And they have their top tier athletes there. And instead of a traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup around prop bets. Ooh, fun. Two of them are ice picks, which are protected from late scratches or postponed games. So they're doing what the people want. There's no worry about not having your player available for the game. It's a lot of fun. Today, you can use promo code BRODO, and when you deposit $10 or more, you receive an instant $10 bonus. Bang, 100% match. 100% match. Get in $10, get 20 and then you're making money the rest of the year. That is Thrive Fantasy. Download the app and use promo code BRODO. It's very cool because prop bets are a lot of fun too. So to play fantasy prop bet style, very interesting. Yeah, take a little on different than typical <coughs> fantasy as well. With that, being and you said, don't have to go up against the damn DFS guys who put in 150 lineups and win the million. That is true. A smaller company at the moment, which is good for DFS. Yep. With that being said, it's time for the People's Podcast. Oh boy, let's get it started. Let's do it. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. You know, I'm very jealous of Tim. He hit us up today. He had truffle cheese, truffle salami. Mm. For those who know me in person, truffle is my dream. I think the way I'm talking about it right now. Because cheese is already delicious, and then you add, like, some truffle oil mixed in there. It's probably one of the best tasting things ever. I love truffle, man. 
Yeah, you like do. it's you're like those of you who don't know. Jason's like obsessed with truffle. Every time he's like truffle on a menu, he's like, Get, "I'm ordering that." Like truffle mac and cheese or Oof, yeah. something truffle of that fries. Sort. The best it combo gets, truffle gets a little much for me at points. Nope. The best combo is a truffle and mushroom on pasta. Hmm. Had that in Rome once. It was amazing. That does sound great. That's where Timmy is right now. I hope he's eating that. Yeah, man. Rome is amazing. I was only there for a day, but it was great. Trevi Fountain underrated. I, I mean, it's probably who underrates Trevi Fountain. It's beautiful. All right, let's start talking about football. Michael has the questions today. One time when he did this, he asked the questions and answered immediately after. So let's hope he spreads the love. I won't a do bit. that today. I'll let Jason. I'll let Jason answer first if he wants to be a douche about it. So quick update: we have started a Patreon. Yes, we have Patreon.com/slash Brodo Fantasy. An example of random perks you might get that aren't necessarily listed on the site. Patreon members got um. Priority. Priority in these questions. Of course, we're going to answer other questions as well. But we'll definitely answer your question if you're a Patreon. Cheap plug. Broto Fantasy. Word up. On Patreon. Let's get started. we got 11 days left to sign up if you want a chance to be in the Listener League. Oh, great. Yes. August 25th is when we're cutting it off so that we can get drafts going. Because the season is coming close. Yes, it is. You ready? Always. The first listener question comes from Nick Bulu. Long-time listener. Shout out to Nick. Question one. Draft day comes and Melgo isn't back. How far do you let him slip in the draft? Solid question. I think this is very conditional on the... What does Melgo isn't back mean? He's still holding out. I know, but like, are there reports that he's probably going to come back soon? Say it's is he going to be traded? The current situation still. The August 14th situation in which we have no idea and he's just not in camp. If you start the season with Melgo not on the team, you start you're rolling out Eckler and Jackson. Yep. You expect the Chargers to sign Melgo in week two, bring him back and be the workhorse? Not necessarily. I don't think so either. I mean the upside is there if he's gonna get traded to a team. Especially because they the they say that he has to if he comes back after the bye or like after week eight, he'll it'll still it'll still count as a year on his contract. So sitting out the whole season doesn't make sense, but coming out after, out but coming back after like week eight does, for his contract dispute. So he, you might be able to have him for the second half of the season. Honestly, if he's not back yet, I don't see myself touching him within the first like five rounds. I was gonna say probably the fourth or fifth round, if I don't really like anyone there, if all if like my top guys are all off the board, because sometimes drafts don't go your way, just take a shot on Melgo. If you don't really feel the other players there. I don't know. For me, I think it'd be like the sixth, seventh round. Missing the first eight games is ridiculously long. I can't blame you. If for not that. more than that. Yeah. But it could obviously be huge if he does come back. That's why this Man. is such a crazy thing, because right now the value's there. If yeah, he comes you know, back. Holdouts suck. They really do. Question two. How would you guys rank the big four running backs this season and half PPR, assuming they're all back for week one? I think I, like that. I have a pretty set in stone right now. My cool. top four. Shoot. Zeke at one. If Zeke if he's is back, back, I agree Zeke at one. He's, he's the safest. Mm-hmm. I've recently moved Kamara ahead of Barkley. I agree. So I have Zeke, Kamara, then I'm going Barkley, and then McCaffrey. You know why me and you both jumped Kamara over our rankings recently? We were talking. The Saints heat wave has not come out yet. Mm-hmm. But we're going to roast Latavius Murray on it. We are. Not necessarily for his skills, just for the way that his suit 
Uh, his skill suit does not suit the Saints. His skill set. Skill set. <laughs> <laughs> his skill set does not suit the Saints. So if we think that that's the case, then we have to think Kamara is going to get the work like he did before Ingram came back last year, or that's at least true. close to that. Yeah. And if that's the case, in the Saints offense, I'm going to take that over Barkley. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see Latavius Murray taking more than like fifty to maybe seventy percent tops of Ingram's role last season. So I think me and Michael have the same order. It's going to be if Zeke is back. Again, the reason why we have McCaffrey fourth is because we seem to be the only people on the planet who remember that McCaffrey was not super stud McCaffrey when Cam Newton was healthy. No, he was a decent player. He was solid. He racked up PPR points, but he had one He was touchdown. not a top four pick. He had one touchdown in yeah. the first seven games. And this question was for half PPR again as well. So and McCaffrey's our fourth. I mentioned this last year. I don't trust McCaffrey because he doesn't score touchdowns. And then he started going on a touchdown craze when Cam Newton was no longer the quarterback or when Cam Newton was playing hurt. So McCaffrey was getting the goal line touches. It wasn't until after he had to be a monster that he became like a monster. I think McCaffrey is a clear four here with Zeke, Kamara, Barkley, one, two, three. Nice. And now here, last question from Nick. Who's your guys must have player after round eight? Ooh, that's a good question. Or that generally mid to late round area, you know, Round eight, obviously, if you're going like round six, Tyler Boyd. Just got to put that out there because I love me some Tyler Boyd. I have a nice I'm going to go eight. a little later than round eight, like round 10 to 11 now. It's Matt Breida. Dude, you just took my answer. <laughs> I took Matt Breida ninth in the Raz Bowl, way above ADP. And then Jarek McKinnon got hurt again. And now Matt Breida's shooting up. We both have Matt Breida in our Raz Bowl teams. I also yeah. have him in SFB9. I saw a an analyst took Matt Breida in the ninth round in a draft a couple days ago, and everyone was like, great pick. I was like, bro, I got Breida in the ninth round like three weeks ago in the Raz Bowl. Listen, Matt Breida was great last season. He, three weeks ago. He was super effective. He broke that. Three weeks ago. He broke tackles. He was effective as a pass catcher. I know Tevin Coleman is there, but we know the Kyle Shanahan offense uses multiple running backs. And Jarek McKinnon is not looking like he's going to be playing, at least to start the season, if not an extended period of time. Yep. And I think Matt Breida is just the overall best running back on that team. Tevin Coleman has never proven to be a good run- rusher. I agree. He's a good pass catching back. Don't get me wrong there. He just hasn't been able to prove that he could be the early down guy as well. So I love me some Matt Breida that late. Like, not round eight. Around 9 to 11, you'll probably be able to snag Michael stole my answer. If we're looking at guys going around that area later now, I'm going a little later than the eighth round. Jameson Crowder. Oh, We've yeah. talked about him a lot. One of the best receivers in the league. That's at a lot later separation. than the eighth round as well. Yeah, but, I mean, he's asking about our guys, and that's my guy right now. Yours too. Great separation creator. Um, he's in an offense now that saw Jarvis Landry thrive out of the slot. First drive with Sam Darnold of the whole preseason, he scored a touchdown. He's a steal at his ADP right now. That's true. You know what I wanted to say? That if we release bold predictions, since I love being bold, of course it's a bold prediction. I'm not going to predict it. because Jameson Crowder, top 24 or something like that? Jameson Crowder, greater than Chris Godwin. Wowzers. <laughs> Just the two slot guys. Wowzers. Um, I'm also throwing, uh, also throwing Austin Eckler in there. I love me some Austin Eckler. I'm grabbing him everywhere I can in round seven plus. So, There's really not a downside. 
Because if you take him, he's going to be good enough to be a flex every week because of his receiving. Exactly. So, yeah, maybe Even you don't want to. if Melgo returns. Maybe you don't want to flex in the seventh round. But you know what? For the upside, it's a decent floor. Yep. On to Gianluca Martini. Gianluca asks, Who is a player that you are targeting late in drafts with your last position player pick? Whether it's due to upside value, breakout potential, or a guy who can offer boom or bust weeks. <clears throat> so targeting late in drafts with your last position player pick. I'll take that first. Because Go I'm going to pick a guy who's probably not going to be going that late now. But who I've been trying to grab with that pick. Um, so far in the preseason, mm-hmm. Rashard Higgins, ah Hollywood Higgins, you've been all over Hollywood Higgins. I've been talking about him since last year, man. I had him on my fantasy team when he wasn't even doing anything, just because I really think he's a very good player. It's true. He has two of the highest rated seasons ever, according to PFF for college football players. He's improved every single season. All his numbers across the board, if you look at all of them, even all the advanced metrics, they all went up last season. Baker Mayfield's entering his second year. And now Antonio Callaway suspended four games. The Browns are going to run an air raid offense where Rashard Higgins is going to be on the field a lot. A lot more than a lot of third wide receivers. Maybe less than the Rams or the maybe the Cardinals, depending on how their, how their offense runs. But he's probably going to be top 10 for third wide receiver percentage on the field. Getting targets from Baker Mayfield. I think Rashard Higgins has wide receiver three written all over him, and he's getting no love. I like that. It's tough to find the targets for Rashard Higgins, but if there's an injury that happens, or even if he just, I wouldn't be surprised. He's a big play now and then as well. Wouldn't be surprised if he has more targets. You've than, gotten me onto the Rashard Higgins bandwagon. For me, uh, Justice Hill. He might be a little higher up, but I've been becoming more and more uh, infatuated with Justice Hill. Interesting. He's ridiculously fast. He seems to be like he's going to be the pass catching back. Mark Ingram has not been the. Uh, the fixture of health in his That's not NFL career. I completely the blank. Fixture of health. What's the What's the phrase? The um. I don't know, but yeah. So Justice Hill. If we're going even deeper than Justice Hill, uh, some guys that I'm looking at. Poster boy. Poster boy. The poster boy of good health. He has not been the poster boy for good health. Poster boy. That works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quincy Inunua could mm. be a very good last round pick if an injury happens. Uh, Robbie Anderson, especially to Crowder for being Robbie honest. Anderson's fragile. Jameson Crowder is very fragile. Paris Campbell, I could see a rookie season Djax season out of Paris Campbell, especially second half, someone to target. Uh, and Zay Jones, if any of the Buffalo wide receivers are going to be worth it, I think it's going to be Zay Jones. So those guys I'm all targeting late in drafts, not expecting them to be huge contributors, but people I think can be huge contributors or at least flex appeal at some point in the season i mean that's what they asked yeah the other question who do you believe can be this year's carry on johnson where they are stuck behind the main running back but can prove to be a better back and take over the starting job it's a good question it this, is a good question i guess this could go into the last question too it's Devin singletary of the buffalo bills i like that we got super old Lashawn mccoy and then super grandpa old frank gore Standing ahead of him. If LaShawn McCoy is super old, Frank Gore is. Yeah. And TJ Eldon. TJ Eldon, there's. I like TJ Eldon, but they're saying that he might not even make the roster at this point. Dude, TJ Eldon is a decent, durable third stringer. Let's yeah, be honest. That's true. I mean, but he could pass catch. But look, Devin Singletary, he's going in double digit rounds. It looks like he could absolutely run away with that um, 
with that job, if not early on in the season, at least halfway through the season. If the Bills aren't winning, they're going to want to get their young guys the ball. And Devin Singletary, although he's not a good pass catcher, he is a very powerful runner. He was a beast at Florida Atlantic. So he's definitely someone I'm keeping an eye on. And uh, Justice Hill, who I just said too, someone I'm also uh, keeping an eye on. Guess uh, the difference of age between Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy. Two years? Five. Five. 31 wow. and 36. Frank Gore is so old. If I'm going to answer Holy this moly. question, I'll give two answers. One has to be Royce Freeman, right? He's basically in on Johnson's role of last year. Theo Riddick is there to steal pass work, <laughs> and he's stuck behind someone. That makes sense. Philip Lindsay. The upside is there in the Denver run first offense. Mm -hmm. And 30% of the running back snaps we're presuming are gone because Devontae Booker's not going to get them. Yeah, Devontae Booker's gone. Freeman has the upside if he's able to get that role over Lindsay or if Riddick goes down and there's pass catching work to be had. See, I I, I don't deny that, but I still don't really like Freeman at his ADP. His ADP is high. You're He's taking only like a shot. seventh, eighth round. Yeah. I'm um, loving it there. The other answer has to be Matt Breida. Probably mm. going to be stuck behind Tevin Coleman. but Probably I, some Matt Breida. We both think he's the better runner. We already talked about him earlier. Definitely, honestly, league-winning upside. If Tevin Coleman were to go down and Jarek McKinnon was still out. Word. One running back in the Niners offense. Someone as good as Matt Breida, who was running for over five yards a carry with a broken leg last year or whatever injury he yeah, had. Yeah, that dude would just go down, look like he was out the season, come back the next week and keep killing it. That was awesome. Thanks, thank you to John Luca. Moving on, Mark Hamlin. Who's the better twin? Mark, that's the easiest answer of all time. I don't even think we have to answer that. The listeners know who the better twin is by now. Cole Sprouse. <clears throat> cough, cough me. <laughs> Cole Sprouse. Oh, wow. The, the Sprouse twins. Sweet life. I don't know, in our Patreon Discord, another cheap plug, where we're having great conversations, another cheap plug, someone asked, who's won the most championships in your home league? And the answer is me. All right. Me being Jason. All right. All right. Moving on. Kevin Kraus. This guy's from Germany, actually. Another Discord member. The last letter in his last name is like a German letter, I think, so I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. Very cool, actually. Yeah. When it comes to a start-sit decision, what are the most important aspects in comparing two players from the same tier? What are your priorities in that decision, matchup, previous weeks, etc.? You know, Kevin, that's a good question. I think when it comes to certain players, matchups might be a little overblown. Like if you have the top-tier guys and they're in a great, and it seems like a tough matchup. Like we've seen, like last year, Mike Evans, week one, going up against Lattimore, went off. Like people expected Evans to not have that great of a week. So sometimes you just got to play those guys. When it comes to the lower guys, then you could look more at matchups. Uh, like if a, if a slot corner is hurt for one team and this guy's coming out of the slot, he might have a very good matchup I that I think that's season. one way to do it. Yeah. Sometimes. If he's home or away, true values. If the quarterback's true value is higher at home. For instance, Sam Darnold was way better at home last season. If he's at home, that automatically increases the chances that the wide receivers have a better week. Look, some people out there try to convince you that every single team in the league has a shutdown corner now. Yeah. That's just not the truth. So don't always look at matchups and say, I'm not going to start this guy. No one right now is Darrell Rivas. There's good cornerbacks. Like, if there's one I'm going to fade right away, it's Chris Harris out of the slot. But that's a good way to look at things because there's certain teams who are worse out of the slot or certain teams that are worse on the outside. And then you want to look at the matchup as well um, in terms of competition. 
I always mention how Marlon Mack is not a good play in games where it's predictable he's not going to do very well. Like if they're if the Colts are facing the Patriots, for example, a game where they're not favored, Marlon Mack was way better in favored games last season. Yeah, because they're going to be using Naheem Hines to catch up to Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, true values, as Michael said. There's a lot of different factors, really. Um, if you're just flip-flopping between two people, sometimes your gut can help you, too. That's true. My gut told me to put Zay Jones into my starting lineup against the Jets last season when he scored a touchdown and put up 80 yards. Nice. Shout out to me. Second question from Kevin. What was your most heartbreaking fantasy experience for me? Fantasy baseball story, folks. I made it to the fantasy baseball championship. I started Manuel Margot because I needed a stolen base. Instead, he struck out twice. I ended up tying in strikeouts. Strikeouts were for hitters were was a uh, was a category. He ended up not getting a stolen base. I tied in the championship and lost on the tiebreaker. I would say it's pretty heartbreaking. I don't really have that many heartbreak stories. To be honest, I feel like every time I've had like a first pick get injured, that's when I've won. Yeah, somehow, some way. When you drafted Le'Veon Bell first overall, you won. David Johnson, when he got injured, I won. So I don't really have like, and I've never really lost a super close playoff game by point one points. I guess I'll say, um, in the Brodo League in baseball, actually. I guess we're going back to baseball now, fantasy <laughs> baseball. I was in like dead last at like the All Star break. I ran through everyone. Got into the playoffs with the sixth seed and then lost in the championship. That's rough. So that's probably my biggest heartbreaking That shit fantasy. blew my mind. You were just, you were like, oh, my team sucks, blah, blah, blah. And then you just went on a crazy run. Yeah, I didn't get it. Fell just short. Team wasn't even that good. Thanks, Kevin. Next question, Jessica Why, Cools. Kevin like that? Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. I'm your biggest fan, Kevin. <laughs> Jessica Cools, in the past five years... Or so. What's the biggest fantasy fantasy mistake you've ever made? <laughs> I think I have my answer. Shoot. Two years ago, was it? Two or three. My infatuation with Terrell Pryor. I knew you were going to say that. As an, early, two or three. <laughs> as an early third round pick. I fell for it. I fell for the Terrell Pryor hype. I've learned from my mistakes. But I think Terrell Pryor had, has to be one of my worst calls. I know what my um, biggest regret is. Not taking a starting running back, a workhorse starting running back in the ninth round named Melvin Gordon just because he didn't happen to fall into the end zone his rookie season. That's a good one, too. I, I still can't believe I was that stubborn that many years ago to not grab him. Yeah, Melvin Gordon after that touchdownless rookie season. I Imagine a starting running back on a good offensive team being drafted in the seventh, eighth round these days. Right? Yeah, that was Matt nuts. Breida. That's who. Hey, yo. Thank you, Jessica. This one comes from Maldo Man, Don Maldo. In a two PPR league, if such a thing exists, so two points per per reception, who are your top three or four consensus running backs off the board? In a double PPR? It's the same, no? All the guys at the top are because they catch balls. I think I'm putting... Actually, yeah. Oof. McCaffrey might catch 100. Kamara catches an insane amount. Barkley. Zeke is probably the only... Person that's a little questionable PPR wise, but he caught a lot more balls last season, especially when Amari Cooper came. Yeah, I'd think, I think I'd move McCaffrey. Last year, over. He got seventy-seven receptions last year. I think I'd move McCaffrey over Barkley 
and go Zeke, Kamara, McCaffrey, Barkley. I know Barkley caught a lot of passes, but I feel like... 91 it, last year. Yeah. McCaffrey had 107. Yeah. And I just... The Giants offense is really bad. And Kamara had... 80-something, I believe. 81. 81. So what's the order that we thought? McCaffrey would go... I think Zeke would drop to four if it was two PPR. I mean, come on. But we're nitpicking. I don't think anyone would hop over those four guys. Yeah. No, it would still be those top four. Yeah. Interesting. Casanova asks, what is your best ball draft strategy? That's a loaded question. Casanova. I have the best best ball draft strategy. You ready for it? Hit me. Don't do it. <laughs> What's the Come on. fun in best ball? What do you mean don't do it? You get to draft a lot. All right, if you fine. Like best ball you get the draft. And then you forget it. Don't don't tell me these people who play best ball draft 12 to 80 teams and keep track of them. No, you just go to the end of the year, see if you have a team or two that are in the playoffs or whatever, however, and then... Oh, cool. I drafted these people. I completely forgot. Ha, ha, ha. You have joy for, what, two minutes? Yeah. It's not real fantasy. Well, if you're drafting best ball, we've discussed this in the past. We have a best ball episode, so check that out. It's on our uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes feed. Yeah, no offense to people who do it. We had Mike Beers on, right? Yeah, Mike Beers was a great listen, so check that out. Basically, what it showed was that drafting a lot of wide receivers is a smart move. Because they're so uh, up and down scoring-wise, you get the volatile weeks from guys like Kenny Stills and uh, like Marquise Lee or Traquan Smith, guys like that. You get those volatile weeks when your studs like Julio Jones don't find the end zone and he replaces him in the lineup. So usually you want to get like seven or eight receivers. Running backs, you want to get some consistent guys, maybe like five running backs. You got to at least get two QBs, maybe three in case of injury. Uh, tight ends, if you get a stud, you could get two tight ends, three or four if you don't get a stud. So mine, my best ball strategy, I've done a few best ball drafts, stock up on wide receivers late because late-round wide receivers are more likely to hit than late-round running backs when you're drafting in, like, the 18th round. So you're going running back early in best ball? Uh, in the first two rounds, I'll probably get a running back, yeah. I think that's accurate. I mean... Of course, you could also get a late running back in best ball. Not much changes. Yeah. But, like, you get guys like Kenny Stills, but then if you draft someone like, uh, I don't know, Gus Edwards, and he ends up not having a role, Kenny Stills is at least going to start for you for probably at least, like, three weeks. That's what I was going to say. Short King Supreme says, For a 2QB league, is it more justifiable to take a QB in rounds 5-6 to six or wait and try to get two guys like Trubisky and Lamar? What's the question? In two quarterback Super flex leagues? leagues or two QB leagues. Yeah, two QB leagues, waiting on a QB is less justified. Less advisable. Less advised. But if you're like in the Scott Fishbowl, it's a super flex league, so you can start two QBs. I waited, and I was able to get Baker Mayfield in the fifth round and Trubisky in the sixth, which I was very happy about. But Baker Mayfield went in the first round in some of those Scott Fishbowl drafts. He went in the mm-hmm. third round in two QB leagues. More so than any other leagues, you have to play the draft. Yeah. See who is going off the board. Because if you're in a league that takes Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Andrew Luck in the first five picks, quarterbacks are probably going to start flying. But if Mahomes, Luck, and Watson are gone after pick 20 instead, then you could probably wait longer on QBs. I would also just say watch the board, though, because if those five quarterbacks are being exactly. taken in the first round, you can get a bomb squad. How I did it, try to have your guys in tiers, I guess. 
Because again, in SFB nine, which is um super flex, I grabbed Matt Ryan in like the fifth round because he was the last quarterback that I felt could confidently be a QB one. And then I waited. I lost out on Trubisky, lost out on Prescott, waited a little bit more, lost out on Lamar Jackson. And then I grabbed Sam Darnold because I was happy with Sam Darnold as my second super flex guy, uh, quarterback. And in the meantime, I was stacking up position players that I really wanted on my team. Yeah. So I think I don't always advise playing the board because um, if you can get value somewhere, then grab it. And your team is your league is dumb for letting you get that guy so late. But with super flex, you do need to be weary because if you get knocked out, if you don't have a second quarterback or a very bad one, that's a huge disadvantage. Yeah, but you got to you could also, yeah, you just got to play the play the board. But you could also, I've had success in the past in two QB leagues. We used to play two QB back in the day, mm-hmm. where I had guys like Carson Palmer when he was on the Raiders when he was just a mid QB, uh, Kevin Cobb, remember him for the Eagles? Guys like that yeah. in my as my two QBs. And I was winning a bunch because the rest of my team was so stacked. So you got to play the board when it comes to two QBs. But yeah, you could certainly take QBs in the mid rounds in yep. a two QB league. Aaron Zane says I'm starting a super flex dynasty league. Interesting. This year will be my first team in a dynasty. What kind of draft types could it give me? Look, the first thing I say when people are starting a draft, a dynasty draft, don't pay up for the rookies just because you think they might hit. Mm-hmm. Because more likely than not. That they don't hit. That's just how it works. In baseball and football, when people, just like rookie picks, we like to trade our rookie picks for studs who are proven. Darius Geis, for example. He's someone I'm not touching at all. He's probably going to go in like the fifth round in in startup dynasty drafts. Maybe earlier. He He hasn't even played a snap yet in the NFL. He's already hurt. I mean, he's still hurt. He's probably not even going to be ready for the season. When in the fifth round, in a startup draft, you could get guys like Brandon Cooks, who's 26 or 25, who's an absolute stud and has put up over 1,000 yards every year. That I would say my strategy, make sure your team is good every year. And that seems crazy. It's like, what do you mean make sure my team is good every year? It just feeds off of what you're saying. People don't know what people are going to be in three years. Imagine three years ago saying Des Bryant is going to be an afterthought in a year. People are like, what are you talking about? This Bryant's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Yeah. The NFL moves fast. So you don't always have to guess who's going to be the next big guy because people are always trying to do that, and they're willing to give up very good players. You can probably get Chris Carson right now for Darius Geis. And I do that in an instant. Word. Me too. Stuff like that. People who are getting a little bit older but are still producing. Like, people are probably trying to sell Julio Jones, maybe, in some weeks. Since he's going up there in age a little bit. Grab him. Agreed. Because he's going to pay dividends for you this year, probably next year. Bada bing, bada boom. Just like that. Yeah. They Hate Trey says, what wide receiver three are you most excited for? It's an interesting question. You know, it was Dante Pettis. But there's been a lot of bad reports out of camp from Dante Pettis. So I'm pushing back a little bit there. Hmm. Just a tad until I get until there's better reports coming out. I still hmm. think he's the lead guy in San Fran, but I want to see it uh translate onto the field a little bit more in the next couple of weeks or so in the preseason. So right now I'm gonna say Robbie Anderson. We expect Sam Donald to take a big step up this year. He was uh great the last four weeks last season, his true throw value. 
was top five in the league. Robbie Anderson was a stud and a half the last four weeks of the season. He's going to be used as a deep threat. He's going to be used short, too. They already said that they don't want him to be that one-trick pony this year. They want to get him uh, the, the ball more with uh, space to run on slants and things of that sort. So if he's going to be used early and often, his fantasy points are going to be increasing early and often. So I like Robbie Anderson right now in the wide receiver three territory. I'm going to have to agree. Looking at the wide receiver three range, I don't like it. There are just a lot of people there who I don't really like, who are being a little bit overdrafted, who people think have wide receiver one upside or high-end wide receiver two, and I don't really see it too much. There's a lot of people there I don't love. Um, I'm probably going to adopt the strategy where I grab a couple of high-end wide receivers, attack running backs, get my tight end in round seven or something, and then just start grabbing Crowder and Higgins and stuff like that, people I like who have wide receiver three potential who aren't being drafted as them. Um, I'd go with... Robbie Anderson as someone who's going as a wide receiver three, though, and has upside. I think that's the obvious answer here, if I'm being honest, yeah. even though you said it already. Got two more questions, Jay. From Frank Boncampani. Boncampani. Allen Robinson or Alshon Jeffrey? I actually addressed this on Twitter cool. earlier today. I think it's Alshon Jeffrey, and I don't even think it's really that particularly close. I have Alshon Jeffrey as my wide receiver 23, and Allen Robinson as my wide receiver 32. People like Allen Robinson this year, another year in the Adam Gase system, yada, yada, yada. Listen. Adam Gase. Matt Nagy. Excuse me, Matt Nagy. Sorry, yeah. Allen Robinson has not been a productive fantasy player since that Blake Bortles 1,400-yard 10-touchdown season. That was in, like, 2015. Since then, he's been a bust or injured every single season, including last season. He was healthy, and he put up one game over fifteen, over 14 half PPR fantasy points. One game. That is just consistently bad. And yes, it's another year in the Matt Nagy system. It's also another year in the Matt Nagy system for Anthony Miller, who was coming on quick mm-hmm. last season and huge in the red zone. Trey Burton, who is supposed to be the next Travis Kelsey in that offense, who was decent last season. And is overwhelmingly underrated this year. And he's being on the draft of this year, yes. David Montgomery in the backfield now, who's going to be getting the ball. They brought in Mike Davis, who will mix in. Terry Cohen, one of the most elusive and best pass-catching backs in the game. Where does this random increase come from for Allen Robinson? Meanwhile, Alshon Jeffrey has Carson Wentz, one of the best QBs in the league, has been consistently a wide receiver too when playing and healthy. He's healthy coming into this season. All because he's not the flashy Alshon Jeffrey that he was in Chicago. Let me ask you a question. Doesn't mean he's not consistent. What are the odds Allen Robinson hits a 60 catches, 800 yards, 6 touchdowns line? I think he has more catches than that. I think he'd go like 70 catches, 800, and like 5. What are the odds he does that? Decent, but... I feel like that's what you kind of expect at this point from Allen Robinson. That's Alshon Jeffrey's average over the last four years. He's basically between 790 and 850 yards every year. His touchdowns are always around four to seven with a little bit of variance. And he has around 55 to 65 catches every year. He also is dealing with injuries. Preview of the heat wave. If you prorate those to 16 games. I'm saying this is a positive for Jeffrey. Yeah. Because I don't see Allen Robinson doing much better than those numbers. I think that's his ceiling in the Matt Nagy offense. I don't think he's going to be 
a huge number one receiver that puts up huge numbers. And there are a lot of people jumping on the Allen Robinson train right now. And it's kind of mind-boggling to And me. if you look at Bears' losses last year, it was Terry Cohen who was getting double-digit targets every game. Yeah. So don't just assume the wide receiver is going to get the targets when they have to pass more. I'm t- Look, Jeffrey, we know we're going to get, but it's going to be a wide receiver Yeah, three. he's boring, but he's going to be useful. Allen Robinson Especially if he can stay healthy. People living in a fantasy land. And I mean fantasy land as in because when they look, talk about his upside. Because sure, he could be a wide receiver three. I have him at 28. I think he'll be a wide receiver three. But not much more than that. Yeah. Wide receiver I mean, three is best case scenario. Jeffrey came off, is coming off of a wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 26 finished the last two seasons. Better than Allen Robinson. Yeah. More consistent than Allen Robinson. Yep. So I'm 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 on that Alshon Jeffrey train in that battle. Yep. But the the thing I commented on on Twitter, it was like 70% Allen Robinson. No. Like works for me. I'll just grab Alshon Jeffrey later then. Yep. Last question. Aaron Zane says, my keeper league... I was going to keep Kittle for a 10th round. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. That's easy. Luck for a 13th with recent news about Luck. Should I still use that keeper on him? This keeper league questions are tough without knowing the context. Uh, Andrew Luck in the 13th round is certainly a good keeper option. But if you have a position player earlier or later that you could keep, I'm all about keeping position players over QBs. So, Aaron, you know let us know. Yeah, yeah. Follow up with us. Let us know what your other options are because I would never keep a quarterback, if I'm being honest, unless it's Andrew Luck in the 13th round. Like, if you don't have a great value elsewhere, that's a steal. Yeah. Because Andrew Luck, even though we're late-round quarterback guys, if I could get Andrew Luck with the 7th round, man, that's too early. 8, 9, I'm in there. Yeah. So 13th, that's what I want to do. Look at it that way. Totally depends on the keeper options. Think about how you value these guys. Where would you take them? Where's the option? Where are they going in drafts? Think about it that way. True. Jay, I missed the question. Apologies to you, Ethan. This one's from Ethan Rohr. He asked for our top three sleeper and fades this year. Very solid question. How are we classifying sleeper? I'm going to say someone not starters. Someone you think can... uh, yeah, someone who's not double-digit round pick who could be very impactful. Okay. I have two right off the bat, obvious. Matt Breida. Talked about them a lot. No, he's not a double-digit guy anymore. He he still is a double-digit Jameson guy. Crowder and Rashard Higgins. You stole Jameson Crowder from me. And Rashard Higgins. Mm-hmm. Rashard Higgins is my main guy who I definitely want going into the season. I think those guys are definitely people you want to aim for and grab. Late round, just as a handcuff, Alexander Madison... Devin Singletary, someone I'm probably going to have a decent amount of. And if I'm looking at a tight end, Trey Burton. This guy's being drafted as, what, the 14th tight end right now? Yeah. He was the sixth tight end last season. Seven, sorry. He had almost 600 yards, six touchdowns. He only had one in the last eight games. These are all things that he's pr- that's probably not going to happen again. Yeah. Probably going to have more touchdowns this year. If Trubisky takes a step up, Burton, I feel like, is a guarantee to end in the tight end 6 to 12 range, and he's just free. Yeah. He's free. True. I'm going to uh, Justice Hill, who I spoke about earlier. Liking him I really like him as a double-digit round pick because I think he could end up having a real impact. Um, Besides Justice Hill, besides Justice Hill, I'm going, well, 
Chris Herndon's interesting because he's suspended four games, so he's probably going to go undrafted in most 12-team leagues. He's free. He is someone who you could either draft in the last round and stash or pick up. So when it comes to... I wouldn't say he's a like sleeper of mine. I don't love his outlook this season. I just love the fact that he's free at this point because he's missing the first four weeks. So he's someone that you could grab later on. He could be but a sleeper tight end style. When he gets back. Dante Moncrief. Your guy. I was on the Dante Moncrief bandwagon like eight months ago. <laughs> or whenever the Steelers got him. It's true. When his ADP was like the 15th round. Now it's shot way up. Sadly, I got to get in more drafts early on in the season because you get guys like Dante Moncrief in the 15th round. So those two guys. And then I guess I'll go with uh, Quincy Anunua as a last round guy again. I'm telling you, Quincy Anunua was a stud last season in the first five games. All he needs is to get a bigger chunk of that offense or if he just if someone gets hurt or if he grows into a piece in that offense that Adam Gase likes to throw to, then Quincy Nunwalk can be well worth his ridiculously low ADP. Who are your fades, Jay? My first fade, because I just have to throw this out there, Sony Michelle. I wrote an article about it. Yep. He's a game script RB. He doesn't catch passes, and I just don't understand how you could draft someone like that in the fourth, fifth round. I'll go with my first fade, because if you've been listening... First of all, I just want to say it won't count as one. But Deontay Foreman, we've been fading his True. entire career. You're welcome. Corey True. Davis as well. My biggest fade this season, if you've been listening to the Heat Wave, you know Marlon Mack. The touchdown dependent, not dynamic enough to break off big runs, game script dependent, non-in-the-passing-game dependent, running back Marlon Mack who's being drafted as if he has RB1 upside, who will disappoint many, who is my 27th running back. Hot damn. Hot damn. I don't think that's Um, crazy either. Another fade, this one is Joe Mixon. You guys know about Joe Mixon. We agree on that. At his ADP, of course. At his ADP, if you could get him late second, early third, go for it. If he's going in the first round, early second, there is no reason at all to take the chance on him there. If we're talking fades at ADP, sorry, Michael. I'm not going to have Zach Ertz this year. Um, you let me down. I don't man. really want to put him in this, your top three fades topic. We'll probably do that at some point this in the preseason, do a you know, bold predictions, fade, stuff like that. Yeah. I wouldn't call Ertz a huge fade of mine. It's just someone that I'm not going to own. Um, I think that his last four years before last year, he settled into a nice, even late third, Look, we're gonna. He's gonna have. I feel like seventy-five catches, eight hundred twenty-five yards, touchdowns. I don't know. What gets me mad about this whole Zach Ertz regression thing is because, look, everyone knows that regression occurs, right? Regression happens to players. It doesn't mean that it's absolutely going to happen one hundred percent. No, of course not. Everyone was off Christian Yelich as a top five pick this season in baseball. I took him in the third. Overall, in all my leagues, I ended up having the third overall pick three different times. My three main leagues, what are the odds? I took Christian Yelich there every single time. Because everyone's always knocking at 36 home runs again. He's already at 39. Yeah, I'm talking about baseball, but it happens with football too. Zach Ertz, he's not going to get 
135 targets. He's not going to break the target Last record again. 156. Yeah, 156 targets. He's not going to break the record for targets again. But he's so ridiculously consistent at the tight end position. I agree. That if you could get him in the late third, early fourth, why wouldn't you? You're not getting him in the fourth, though. I got him in the late third. All right, then maybe I'm bugging and this shouldn't be my fade. But I, I'm fading him as a second and third round pick. Early I third. Just, I'm not a tight end Second person. round pick, I'm not taking Zach Ertz either. I just don't take tight ends in the second round. Maybe I was Travis trying to Kelsey, spice it up, talk about tight ends a little bit, because I'm not taking Ertz in the second or third. I feel you, boy. If I'm going tight end early, I'm doing Kelsey or Kittle, and then I'm not looking tight end for a little bit. My I'm going to let fade. the Ertz, Ingram, Howard, Henry, probably I'm going to let them all pass because they're all going a little too high for my taste. My last fade is someone I've faded for years now, and it's been a successful fade for years now. It's Sammy Watkins. Hmm. Every single year, you get those people who are very excited about drafting Sammy Watkins at ADP. Like, oh my gosh, there's so much upside. When when are we gonna when are we gonna end this this whole Sammy Watkins upside thing? <laughs> like, how many times does he have to be an inconsistent, injury-prone wide receiver that doesn't live up to the bill for people to stop drafting him? At an upside area of the draft in the sixth, seventh round, fifth round, even I've seen him go. Like, yes, he's gonna have some big games. He's also gonna have some missing games where he doesn't show up at all, as he did last season. And he's likely to miss games because he misses games every single year as well. So I don't understand the Sammy Watkins infatuation by some people. I'm not gonna own Sammy Watkins anywhere. Maybe if he falls to like the eighth, ninth round, but fifth, sixth, and seventh maybe i've seen him go but mostly the fifth sixth round i'm not grabbing sammy Watkins there my next fade my last fade um is definitely someone more on the marlon mack fade than the zacherts i i regret even saying zacherts it's just someone i'm not going to draft not necessarily a fade i'm definitely fading marlon mack i'm definitely fading calvin ridley i have him ranked seven spots lower than the expert consensus on fantasy pros He's a 22nd wide receiver off the board right now, according to ADP. Last season, he played in 62% of the snaps, saw 92 targets. He ended up with 10 touchdowns. Look, that's not sustainable. I know we talk about how regression doesn't always happen, but that's not sustainable. I don't think Calvin Ridley's a generational talent that's going to consistently put up 10 touchdowns and only 90 He's targets. 24. He was one of the oldest. Old rookie. Rookies. We've seen basically he's still second fiddle to Muhammad Sanu. Let's not act like Sanu's not there. I think they're both like even around about now. But yeah, he Muhammad Sanu had basically the same exact. That's what I'm saying with Calvin Ridley. We discussed this on the Falcons uh, summer preview, the Heat Wave. Muhammad Sanu's still there. Julio Jones is still there. Austin Hooper's still there. Devontae Freeman is back. There's no real path to legitimate stardom for Calvin Ridley that people expect from him this season the people that are drafting him in the fourth round he's gonna have those games where he disappears like he had that three touchdown game where he torched PJ Williams in the Saints secondary last season and then he had games where he went one catch for eight yards and I knew Amari Cooper he is very Amari Cooper like when it comes to in that regard but Amari Cooper is the lead guy on his team which makes it worse (laughs) He's playing opposite Julio Jones. So, will Calvin Ridley end as a top 24 receiver? It's likely. Will it be a fun, consistent road? Highly unlikely. So, if you're drafting Calvin Ridley, I just I would not be expecting consistency. 
I'd be expecting the hills and valleys that you get from boomer bus type guys. Thank you for stealing my fade. I don't steal. You know, me and Michael just looked at each other. We're not on video right now. So that must have been an awkward silence for people who are just listening. But I was just going to add in, I think it wouldn't be surprising if Calvin Ridley was wide receiver four this year. Yatsi, I would. On a week-to-week basis, if when we were ranking, Ridley was coming in outside of the top 36. I can see because of his peak in Valley games, he'll end in the top 36. When we're week- ranking weekly, he won't. He ended outside the top 50 often last season. There so you go. I can see that for sure. Not someone I want on my team. The People's Podcast, folks. The People's Podcast. Is Dunzo. Make sure to check out YouTube, Brodo Fantasy, for all of our summer heat wave shows coming out every single day of August. Yeah. And guess what? It's August 14th. We just had someone. We got 14 episodes up there already. More, because we started on July 30th. Almost halfway there. Living on a prayer. We got some people tweeting at oh. us that you should watch just for our reactions. What? Usually when Tim says stupid shit. YouTube. <laughs> we do Roto. we we do react to Timmy a lot worse than we do each other. But that's cause, uh, uh, because Timmy's not here. We could hit hate on him a little yeah, bit. Because Timmy's crazy loco. But yeah, check it out on YouTube. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. Eleven days left to get to try to get yourself into a listener league. You are one hundred percent guaranteed to play in a listener league if you uh join the second, third, or fourth tier. Mm-hmm. But there's also a chance you play with the bros. Yeah. So you were 100% playing against Broto community members, but you could get a chance to play against us as well. There's the last, the final tier is a guarantee to play against us. Yep. The other tiers you're put into a, we're probably just going to pick out of a hat or something. We always yeah. like to do that. Keep it fair. Yeah. Um, besides that, we have our Patreon. We have our YouTube. Of course, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. For those who Broto don't. Fantasy. Some people don't follow us on Twitter. They, they're just podcast guys. Brotofantasy.com, we updated our rankings. And not just that, we have put in hundreds, and I mean hundreds, player of notes. player notes. So check it out. Go to our rankings page on our website. You'll see my rankings. Right under it is Michael's. Don't think that that's just me. Michael's right under. And we, all, we have notes explaining why we have the people where they are, why we like people at their ADP and why we don't. More so, more and more on that. Um, very helpful there. So check that out. Twitter, Instagram, at Brodo Fantasy. Yep. I am at Mike underscore Patrop. I'm at Jason Patrop. We are at Brodo Fantasy. Tim is at Tim Patrop. Yeah. And if you're feeling frisky, follow him on Snapchat and stuff. <laughs> I got you, Tim. Lastly, check out Red Cup News on Instagram. Check yep. out their website. Um, you could see our heat waves there. We're posting them there. And a bunch of college stuff if you're into college bunch football. A bunch of college sports there. And again, Thrive Fantasy. It's a cool app. It really is. Prop bets to playing it. Me and Michael always talk about how prop bets are. Some of them are just so obvious. Yep. And but like, in New York, we can't really bet legally on prop bets. But now we can. Um, it's like DFS, but with prop bets. So go to um, download Thrive Fantasy. Use promo code Baroto. B R O T O. You know it by now. B R O T O and Baroto was the name. Oh, of- and you get a ten dollar bonus. 20 bucks for 10, and then you can play with that the whole season because you're going to kill it because we're going to help you, and we're going to tell you who to pick, and bada-bing, bada-boom, we'll all win money together because we're probably just going to do a Thrive Fantasy segment. Yeah. Because why not? For sure. There you go. Let's all win money together. It's all about the money, money, money. For us at Brodo, check out the Heat Wave. Yep. And we'll see you next week. Later. Later.